from the book of Isaiah. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. With whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that we may be compared? Some pour out gold from their bags and weigh out silver on the scales. They hire a goldsmith to make it into a god, and they bow down and worship it. They lift it to their shoulders and carry it. They set it up in its place, and there it stands. From that spot, it cannot move. Even though someone cries out to it, it cannot answer. It cannot save them from their troubles. Remember this. Keep it in mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. The word of the Lord. Good morning, dear friends. I measured it, and it's just about half an inch of white space in my Bible. Between the end of Isaiah 39 and the beginning of Isaiah 40. And it's so close, you might not recognize that there is what Walter Brueggemann calls a long pause between those two chapters. Between Isaiah 39 and Isaiah 40, there have been 160 years. And you ask, how do I know it's exactly 160? That's what John Willis says. (laughs) My motto is, John says it, I believe it, that settles it. 160 years. Kingdoms have gone. Other kingdoms have risen up. Assyria is now in the rearview mirror. Babylon is large and in charge. Jerusalem has fallen. People have been taken into exile. And every morning they wake up with Babylonian stories, Babylonian hunger games, Babylonian values. Some are perhaps wondering, how will we ever get back home? And the younger ones are probably saying, what do you mean home? This is home. This is where we were born. This is what we know. And it's out of that that the prose of Isaiah 39 yields to the poetry of Isaiah 40 to 55. As in a powerful way, a new song sings over the people of Israel to speak about God's continuing love for them. And they're told how to think about the past. They're told, forget the former things. And they're told, remember the former things. 
I suppose it takes wisdom to read the Bible. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you for this day. I pray that it'll be a time of refreshment for these dear friends, these brothers and sisters as we gather with one another. Today I especially pray for Shane and Natalie and their family. We pray that you'll refresh their lives, his spirit, grant him wisdom and courage for the living of these days. We have him in our thoughts today and look forward to his leadership in this coming year. And now, O oh God, may these old words of Isaiah speak afresh to us. May they create an imaginative way for us to keep our eyes open for your work today. Toward that end, O oh God, please pour through me now the gift of preaching. In Jesus' name. Amen. Whether we're talking about people of Israel in the exile or Highland on the cusp of celebrating our 100th anniversary, it's really important that we know how to remember. Apparently from those two passages, there's a time to remember and a time to forget. Or maybe more significantly, there is a way to remember that's wrong and a way to remember that's right. Take it from these two passages that what we want to avoid is nostalgia on one hand and amnesia on the other. The danger of nostalgia is when I look at the past, whether it's Israel looking at their past or Highland looking at its past and saying, man, those were the good old days. Wish we could go back there. Because, you know, nostalgia does not play fairly. Have you ever noticed that? It has creative retelling. It sends the cleaning crew into the past and it vacuums things up and it dusts the top of the mantle and then it says, boy, was that a good past. It's like the infamous saying of men as they get older about their athletic prowess. The older I get, the better I was as they recount all of their feats. I still love Shel Silverstein's poem. The saddest thing I ever did see was a woodpecker pecking at a plastic tree. He looks at me and friends, says he, things ain't as sweet as they used to be. That's nostalgia. You hear it sometimes when people whine about the condition of the country and wishing we could hit the reboot, rewind, and go back to a previous era. But have you ever noticed that doesn't work for everybody? Not everybody misses those good old days because they weren't uniformly good. No, nostalgia's got a way of closing my eyes to the mixed bag that all pasts involve. In my work with Pepperdine University, much of my time is spent with West Coast churches. And part of what I have to 
What I find myself saying again and again is that we've got to love that past, but not just bemoan that it's not there. Because in the San Joaquin Valley from Sacramento all the way down to Bakersfield, there are churches that were hundreds, five, six hundred, twenty years ago that are now just a fraction of that. And if you're not careful, you miss the amazing things God is up to by obsessing on that other moment. So it sounds like, on one hand, this part of Isaiah is saying, you need to forget the past. At at least the kind of past that you're thinking about. Because it might keep you from seeing what God is doing today among us. And then on the other hand, there's the warning about amnesia. How easy it is to forget things that need to be remembered. And today, on the last day of my 65th year of life, it makes more sense to me. Right? It's not that, don't fall into old stereotypes, it's not that people my age can't remember anything, it's just that we now remember in groups. You ask a 35-year-old, what's that guy's name that used to call us on our birthday? And they say, Dickie Porsche. You ask a bunch of us, and we'll get there. Somebody will say, well, he used to work at Highland. Yeah, and so, somebody will say, I think his wife's name's Becky. And then somebody else will say, I think it begins with a D. Dean, Dean. Dickie, that's it. And before long, we've come to it. It's a group decision, really. That's why we develop... Mnemonic advice, these, uh, these ways that we learn, even going out the door in the morning. If I can get to my car with the bare essentials, it's a good day. My glasses, wallet, keys and phone, keys and phone. My glasses, wallet, keys and phone, keys and phone. If I can get there with those four things, I'm good. But amnesia has a way of saying, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't need to be a part of our story. Thinking that every clever thing has happened today, it's the challenge we have of easily forgetting. And in this part of Isaiah, there's a constant reminder that you're part of a people. If you have a Bible, look at chapter 51 of Isaiah. Look to the rock from which you were hewn. Look to Abraham and Sarah. How are we going to create this new imagination? Well, part of it is we're going to go back to the past. We will remember the past. Remember Abraham and Sarah who had one foot in the grave and the other foot in the maternity ward to borrow from Frederick Buechner. And it's not that you're going back and remember what great people they are, though that's true and that has its own lesson, but to remember the work of God. We were birthed out of a movement of God. God was there. Chapter 54, in the beginning, this this call on a barren woman to give thanks to God because the Old Testament is full of barren women. It's Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel and Hannah. There's a kind of barrenness that's there in the story of Israel. But God, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, stepped in and he created life where there was none. 
So go back and remember. No wonder he keeps telling stories of Noah, telling stories of the Exodus, rehearsing for them who they are because of what God has done. The genius of Isaiah 40 to 55 is that it keeps a spotlight on the Holy One of Israel. It reminds them that he is the father who has always loved them. He is the mother who cannot forgive them, forget them. He is the mother who always enters into their lives. He's the redeemer, the creator, the savior. These are 16 chapters of poetry about God. And so the wonder of this is not that I can go into the past and say, boy, I'll tell you what, those Israelites were amazing people. They were a mixed bag like we are a mixed bag. But you can go back and you can see that God was there. No wonder sometimes people call Isaiah the fifth gospel because like our stories of Jesus, God was with them. No wonder Handel's Messiah begins again and again and again with recitations from this part of Isaiah. Comfort ye. Comfort ye, my people. It's a reminder that God is here. And it works like Psalm 77, if you remember that psalm. There's great depression in the life of the psalmist, and nothing can get him out of it. But then in the middle, he pauses and says... But this I call to mind. This I remember. The mighty works of God. And you can, you can feel the cog starting to move. You can see momentum gathering as now his mind is sparking, remembering God has never left him or forsaken him. And the next thing you know, he's telling the Exodus story all over again. I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Well, as I alluded to it, before this decade is over, Highland will have celebrated its 100th anniversary. I I know by European standards, that's no big deal. Jeff, I would guess you would say by Syrian standards or Armenian standards, we're a fresh sprig that's barely popped out. But by West Texas standards, 100 years a while. And there's a history here. There's something that we all are a part of. Part of what we need to do is appreciate the work of God among us all those years in us. And through us, and I'm sure sometimes despite us, God has done wonderful things. Have you thought about the year we were launched? 1929. Not the best timing, economically perhaps. And there was a fire near here, as many of you know. With the fire, ACC moved to the hill, that monstrous hill that it went to. (laughs) And some of the members of that church that moved said, but we should keep a church here. And at the end of 1929, the beginning of 1930, this church was given birth. People of faith. 
And, and I go back and I think of God's presence among us with amazing things, with the launching of the Herald of Truth and Christian Homes of Abilene. I, I think of all the university people who have been in here through the years. I think of Landon Saunders in here in the early 1970s, having made his tour around the world to see the work of God in the poorest of places every Wednesday night with a thousand students telling them about Jesus. I always thought when I was the preacher here, I I never forgot that I, I was standing on the shoulders of all these who had come before me, including Mid McKnight, three before me, who always reminded this church to be evangelistic, that faith in Jesus Jesus matters. And John Allen Chalk, who in 1969 and 1970 and 1971 was challenging racism and wouldn't let up. And of course, our beloved Lynn Anderson, who taught the leadership to shepherd and taught all of us to follow Jesus. But, but beyond them, there were all of the other names. You know, those are the ones that maybe get remembered as the preachers. But the, most of the stories are the people whose names have been remembered in some of these videos recently, the sanctuary. And some of them are the many names that perhaps we've even forgotten. But their lives of following Jesus matter to this church now. Even recently, I, I think of the lasting impression of Kathleen and Evelyn and Paul and Lynn. And Isaiah 12 speaks that solid word that they're now part of the crowd cheering us on to a journey of faithfulness. The past here matters. But the, the point of this, though, is not... Man, what a great church Highland has been. That's not the point. I mean, we're Christians. That's our job, not to pat ourselves on the back. Our job is to open our eyes and see where the resurrected Jesus and the indwelling Spirit are moving among us. Because my goal is not to go back and say, man, those were the good days. They were good days. God was among us. But dear friends, these are the good old days. These are the days, that's the power, that's, that's what Isaiah's calling us to. We've got to remember our past, but we've got to forget our past in, a, in another sense. Hold it loosely. And remember that the goal of it is not to say, whoa, what a church, but to say, whoa, what a God. Otherwise, you wind up like Haggai, people in Haggai's day, a little bit after this part of Isaiah, but the temple's being put up and some of the old timers are sitting around and saying, yeah, it's not, this isn't Solomon's temple. Uh, it's okay, but this is we saw that other one and the, Zerubbabel's temple, that's not Solomon's temple. It's Haggai's job to say, what in the world are you talking about? The Holy One of Israel is among us. Get this thing built. These are the days, and, and yes, I know, we wax and wane, and probably right now we're smaller than we've been at other times, but I don't think those are the spectacles we want to use here. The spectacles we want to use is 
Is God among us? Is he here? Is he active? Tell about the redemptive stories of God. What's he doing? And in some ways, I find myself in, in the position of, uh, of Gilead. I, I think of the ways in which the prophet comes and announces to Israel, you've fallen to the Midianites, but God has done the exodus, and this, this prophet gives all of this, and Gideon then steps in and says, loose paraphrase, if I hear one more exodus story, I'm going to get sick and vomit. <laughs> Which was a way of saying, I, I know, I, I get it, we get it, exodus, but you know, that's been a long time, and the Midianites are here right now. Gideon's got a point, which is we give thanks for all of these stories, we hold on to them, and we remember that God was there in them. But now, now what's, what's the new work of God? Maybe our, our great task is not innovation, but discernment. To learn better and better how to sniff out the work of God among us. To encourage each other. Remember that we, we don't want to be blind to what God is doing right here, right now, in us, among us, and of course, again, despite us. My dear friends, we bear witness to this and we respond in worship. The Christian story, Highland story, is about a God who rescues, restores, liberates, heals, and forgives. May we keep our eyes open and look in wonder at what he will continue doing. Amen. I want to invite the praise team to come back up. As I close, I want to invite you to close your eyes and let these words of this part of Isaiah sink in. The poor and needy search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst, but I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I'll turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. I will put in the desert the cedar and the acacia, the myrtle and the olive. I will set junipers in the wasteland, the fir and the cypress together so that people may see and know, may consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this. See, the former things have taken place, but new things I also declare before they spring into being, I will announce them to you. Now this, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, who formed you, Israel, don't be afraid, for I've redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they won't sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I, even I, am he who blots out your 
transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and sing. With the prayer team, please come to the front at this time. And as they're coming, know that if you came with prayer concerns or you'd like to pursue what it means to follow Jesus, they would love to help you with that. Well, dear friends, we've got a past to deal with. I invite you today to remember it. Remember those people of faith who formed you. Maybe they weren't in this church, maybe another church, grandparents, great-grandparents who maybe are even long gone, but remember them. Even more, remember what God was doing in them, through them, sometimes despite them. But also, if your temptation is to glorify the past and to miss what God's doing today, then in a sense, kind of a wink, forget the past. Because these are the good old days. Amen. Go in peace.